matter where you're at or what you're feeling, your God is a good God. He always cares for you. He's always looking out for you. So this morning, we make ourselves available to Him. Not with just because we have to, but because we desire a deeper intimacy with Him. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, this morning that we can come boldly into your throne room. Boldly to your throne room to receive all that you have for you and me. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, River Church. I'm, I'm delighted to be here once again in your presence. Ever so excited about what the Lord is, always has for you and I. Never exhausted, never tired. Did I have to come to church? Never, never, never feeling as if though, well, here I have to do it again. No, I am excited. I am delighted because God has laid on my heart a mandate. I believe a mandate from heaven to help to, you know, I see myself as the pastor of this church more than just a pastor. I see myself as one of the Lord's sheepdogs. You know, I'm just helping him herd in the yeah, flock, yeah. helping him to direct the flow of the Holy Ghost, helping with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, directing the flow of what he is mandating this church. Amen. Yeah, exactly. uh, because it's so important as a church that we understand what it is that we're here for. Yeah. And I believe one of the things that the Lord keeps bringing back to my remembrance daily, daily is the important that we pray for our nation. The, the, the importance of praying for our nation, praying, praying for our president, praying for our leaders, praying for those who are in authority over us. Amen. Amen. Because it, it's an important thing. You know, you don't want to have a leader have a bad day and hurt you. You know what I mean? You don't want to have someone have a, a, to be going through a lot and just they're not within their own rational, normal, reasonable mind. And they have a bad day and they're just for a lack of a better term, they're gruff. Um, they do things that they normally wouldn't typically do. So what do we do? We lift up all our leaders. We lift up the police today, Father. We thank you, Father, for wisdom on high so that they, that they, that they may be able to operate, be keenly aware of their surroundings, help guide, lead, protect Father, we, we lift up our president, Father. We lift up President Trump. I thank you, Father, for supernatural wisdom, godly influences. I thank you, Father, that you are consistently, you have consistently done things to protect him and, and protect our nation. And I thank you, Father, this, cha this nation is waking up as a people to righteousness. We're, we're a nation that's waking up to things that are righteous. And I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Father, that you're moving this land into peace. You're moving this land into prosperity. You're moving this land into joy. And I thank you, Father, that, that we're able to dwell with our neighbors in peace, in joy, and in kindness to one another. We don't judge on the outside, but we judge by the character of the man. In Jesus' precious, mighty name, amen. Because, you know, we at the River Church, we're taking our mandated position. Lord said, and I, at first I was a little upset about a particular portion, but the Lord says, that's your role. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll, I will take up the role of praying for my nation, 
and, and taking it seriously that we should lift up those leaders because they need it. Your leaders need it. Your, your pastors need it. Your, your evangelists and prophets, all those who are in a position of authority or who have a position of a voice, we ought to lift them up. And right now we even lift up our pastor, Pastor Nancy, because she has voices and things for us pastors. Amen. So as we lift her up, how many of you know God will lift you up? Amen. When you lift up and take time to voice and show that you are connected and that you care, God is able to move in our lives. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning... Uh, we have been, Pastor Melina alluded a little bit to it. We have been on the topic of faith. In fact, I personally have taught eight, um, this will be my eighth session on teaching on the topic of faith. This doesn't mean I've never taught on faith before, but this means that we have been building and building and building towards some things. And uh, how many of you know, as we build into towards some things, uh, it's important that we prepare our hearts to receive those things that the Lord has for you and I. And so one of the things that had really... Yes. Let's open our Bibles to um, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I wrote this on the top and I wasn't sure if I was going to use it, but here we go. Let's just go there. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now, if you just take that scripture out of its setting, um, you can really miss out on what the word is saying. In other words, we don't just have a priest that's in heaven, but we have a priest who's in heaven who sympathizes with us because he's been through what you and I have been through. He's, he's experienced the rejection. He has experienced things that you and I couldn't consider unfathomable. Um, his, own tur- his own church turning on him. Yeah. <laughs> you think about it, your own church turning on you. That, that would, you know, most Christians would end up, in the, end up on the ditch on that and never uh, do anything. Oh, I'm not doing anything for the church now. You know, they just, they hurt me. They, they chased me out. They wanted to stone me. And yet, we have a priest in the heavenlies that says, I know what you're going through. I forever make inter- I am forever making intercession for you and I. So when it, when it comes to believing, we've got to, how should I say? We've got to learn how to believe with our hearts and not so much with our minds. Because it's our mind that'll stay hurt. It'll's our, it is our mind, our, 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 our fleshly carnal our physical body that would want to throw rocks back yeah. it, it would want to break a window yeah. it, it would want to smack that's the carnal man yeah. it's the carnal man but see god isn't hasn't he's made you a trifold being he's made you a he's made you a, a spirit a mind and a soul spirit soul and body yeah. so you know when we look at ourselves in the mirror we tend to we most of the time when we look at ourselves, we mostly identify with ourselves as a natural person, our physical being. We identify with our, um, our baseball team. That's our natural side, our work. That's who I am. That's what I do. We identify with ourselves. So when those things are no longer around, we, we go through what some would call an identity crisis. 
because we don't realize that these external external things aren't really who we are. Who are you? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 11. And I hope this morning that as we get in the word that we're going to help resolve some of those questions that you have as to who you are. Come on. There was a famous rock band back in the 70s that used to say, who are you? There you go. Who, who? I really want, we're going to let you know who you really are this morning. Amen. Amen. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, I'm going to read to you out of the New King James Version. It says, so Jesus answered and said to the, saying to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whosoever says this mountain, be thou removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things, with things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now he goes on further and he talks about what you, when you believe, believe that you pray, right? But notice he says that, that you must believe in your heart. You cannot doubt in your heart. See, this heart is often referred to uh, don't lose heart or um, we, this is the hidden man of the heart. You, this hidden man of the heart is who you are. You're, you're the, that spirit man that the, the scripture is always referring to. And part of what God is wanting to do is has helped you identify who the real you is, not who the natural man is, who the real man is, who the real man you are. Now, if you look, if you look at the, if I were to look at a vehicle dropping, driving by and I see a Lexus, I would never say, oh, that, 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 that Lexus is a, you know, I would not look at the person in the vehicle as being the vehicle. I would never do that. If I looked at the, even the color of the vehicle, I would never look at as the, because there's a driver on the inside. Right? So whatever the driver, the driver could change on a vehicle. So, but that doesn't mean that vehicle um, is changed. No, it's just a vehicle. It just has one job to get you to point A to point B. So a heart is the spirit, just not, it's not our natural it's not our natural mind. It's not our natural person. And Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Let's open our Bibles to First Thess- Thessalonians chapter f- 5. So with our heart we believe unto righteousness. It's, it's, it's a very interesting way of thinking. With our heart, one believes unto righteousness. The heart can lead you into righteousness. Your mouth, your confession, helps bring in. It's like the wire that brings in salvation. So the mouth is agreeing with the heart. I find it very interesting and I've always found it very interesting in Proverbs 20, 27. It says, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, if I were to go inside you as God, your spirit is a candle. And here's the thing about that candle on the inside of you, your spirit, man, it illuminates everything. It points out everything, the hidden things. The things that you don't want anybody to see, the Lord sees them. That's why there's nothing hidden. All things are naked before the Lord. He sees your heart, but he sees the spirit man. 
And he sees the motivation. He sees the greediness. He sees the loneliness. He sees the shame. He sees the anxieties. He sees the, um, the, the feeling of inadequacies. He's, and he, what causes those things? He sees it very, very, very uh, plainly. Yeah. And because he sees things so plainly, you have an advocate in the heavens who, who sees you and looks at you not with disdain, not with anger, but with compassion. Because he knows that the things that have built this person up on the outside is a result of things that have not been dealt with on the inside. You hear what I'm saying? So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Now the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So not only you have a God who sees you, but he has, you have a God who wants to sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice something he says, your whole spirit, your whole spirit, soul and body. What? What does he want to do? Preserve, be blameless. Blameless. Preserve to be blameless. See, you are a spirit person, but God is wanting to preserve you blameless. But notice, I think, I think it's funny. He says he uses whole, whole spirit. Uh, have you ever been half-hearted on something? Mm-hmm. Not all in. Mm-hmm. Ha- have, you ever, have you ever done something out of a wholehearted effort? Mm-hmm. A number of years ago. I'll just use myself as an example. My dad, when I was a young teenage boy, my dad asked me to mow the lawn. I was not in the mood to mow the lawn. I went out and mow the lawn out of a heart that was not wholehearted. I wasn't on board. And my efforts reflected my lack of wholeheartedness. I wasn't making the lines perfectly straight. Uh, I didn't trim the lawn. Um, I just quickly mowed it. I left a lot of parts where you could see that I, I missed with the mower because my heart wasn't fully engaged in the task. Yeah. You see, God knows if you're wholehearted or half-hearted because the candle says he's not interested. The candle says uh, they're just, they just weren't interested. They wanted to go back to the room. They just wanted to get in front of the TV. And see, here's the thing. We want a heart that reflects the willingness. The willingness of what God wants to do. And so when God wants to touch your heart, and he says, if you're going to believe, you're going to have to believe with the heart. That means we're going to have to believe with a wholehearted attitude and what it is that we're believing for. We, there's no such thing as a half-hearted effort in the things of the Spirit. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Notice, notice that in order, for the, in, in order to walk into the fullness of God, you must be willing and obedient. It's trifled, it's contingent on your efforts of being those two things. And how many of you know, you and I, we can change that. That's a very minor change. It's a very minor change to make a decision that I'm going to be wholehearted. I'm not going to do things half-hearted. I'm not going to just go to church half-heartedly. What does it mean to go to church half-heartedly? I'm 30 minutes late. That's a half-hearted result. 
uh, you know, and if I do get there, I'm, you know, I, I've, I haven't ironed my clothes. I haven't gotten really dressed. I just kind of got a shirt, kind of, you know, I'm just got my hair messed up. Really, I just, I'm there because uh, at least I made it. It's more than just me. It's just more than a me um, being there on time. It's about, you know what? I mean, even let's say you don't have a lot. You showed effort. You got, you got up, you took a shower, you combed your hair, you put some fresh cologne on. You, you, you made a whole, you made an entire, a wholehearted, a wholehearted investment in your presence. Amen. So when the scripture says, what, what, so what does it mean to believe with your heart? It means that my efforts are reflected on the outside as well as on the inside. My life is going to express the goodness of God. Did you catch that? My heart's going to express the goodness of God. In other words, I believe with my heart that he is good. And because he is good, you know, if you ever just notice when you're around some people that are good, it just brings out the best in you. Like if you have a boss that you've, and I know many people have had this, maybe you've had a person they work with or a school teacher that then instructed them, you just loved them. What made you love them? What made you, what made them bring out the very best, on, best on the inside of you? Yeah. And notice that when they, when they brought the best, uh, uh, best out of you, yeah. you know, you wanted to be a little bit like them. Yeah, that's right. You, you wanted to wear that little lemon, lemon LaRue perfume that the teacher wore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear the same perfume as my teacher. Oh, she smells so pretty. Why? Because they've captured your heart. Yes, yes. There you want, there's something that on the inside of you that wants to express what you have picked up from them. At, at the river, we want to express what the leadership that we've had. You know, I want to express the very, the very elegance of my pastor, the very classiness, the very, uh, very, I don't know, there was, you know, when you have a pastor like Pastor Nancy, there's a party that's, I want to be like that. You know, <laughs> you know, you want, I want to be like, I want to be graceful. I want to be, I want to have, I want to have a heart that's tender. I want a heart to have a that mouth that's gracious. I want to have words like gold fitted uh, apples. Come on. That, that are seasoned, that are just perfect for the same. And then every time I make a statement like she does, it just, people are like, oh, that's just, oh, you know, you, you, you want that depth on the inside of you. But you see, you only get that when you're wholehearted. So what does it mean to believe with the heart? That means you take with what they say into your heart and you make the change. A half-hearted result comes in late. A half-hearted result means, eh, do I have to tithe? I don't really want to tithe. See, a lot, this is, I'm not saying about this about the River Church because we have a lot of great people. But I kind of, so I've, I, and we have a lot of good tithers. So this is, or this could be for someone else. This could be some, uh, someone for the future. Mm-hmm. So if this isn't you, that's fine. But in the past, over the years, uh, you could always tell when someone's not wholehearted in because they're not really wholehearted in their giving. And but then you see them not really wholehearted in their living for God. And they're never really wholehearted for just they love the Lord, but they're not really wholehearted for the Lord. And if you would ask them, are you wholehearted for the Lord? They say, well, I, I love the Lord. See, it's not enough to love somebody unless you give them your whole heart. 
You know, me and Pastor Melina, we've been married for 25 years. And she's talking about walking in love. And there's times that she's really having to review those tapes because, you know, loving Marcus is a heavy thing. I'm going to tell you right now. She didn't say that, but I know because I, I know that loving me would be a very difficult task. My sister is here. She's saying, yes, it would be. <laughs> and so how many of you know that when it comes to love, you, there's going to be times where you, when your faith is tested in those areas that you're going to have to go into your scriptures and review why it is you love. So that you can change the condition of your heart. Change the purpose of your heart. Yes. Amen. 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 See, if we want a deep, you know, hear people, I want to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. But God is a spirit. God doesn't have carnal relationships. He doesn't relate to carnality. He doesn't relate to you sleeping around. He doesn't relate to you drinking. He doesn't. He's a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, you, God is, is, so, is such a, he's such a, the spirit is a definition of the heart. It's who you are. And he can only relate to the heart, to the spirit of a man. And God wants to relate to you, but not on your conditions. He'll reach you in your condition, but his job is not to leave you in your condition. It's to remove you from that condition and bring you to the spirit realm. But you can't go in the spirit realm with a natural heart. And we confuse our natural heart with the spiritual heart. This natural heart meaning the things I like. The natural pumping heart. I, I really love daisies. You don't really love daisies. You like daisies. You enjoy it. But do you, do you really love daisies? Do, you, do I really love pizza. Do you love pizza? Or do you just really enjoy pizza? I can tell you things I, lo- I love on, on, on my hand. I love the Lord. I love my wife. I love my children. I love the plan of God. Very short things. You should not have a long list of things you love on your hand. If you have a long list, that means you don't understand what's important. Because the shorter the list is of what you love, the more you recognize what's truly important. And what needs to be important. What needs to be the forefront. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 2. Say, I am moving in with the heart and with the purpose of the spirit. Do you believe that? And in Romans chapter two, verse 28, say amen when you get there. Because God is, oh, I love the Lord because he's always uncovering the motives that are in our heart. Exposing them. Because if you ever go look in the scripture, Jesus always, what did Jesus do? He always address the heart that's where religion has a tough problem that's where religiousness has an issue because while it seeks position and power god says why do you want the power if you wanted if you wanted power and you wanted to rule you'd understand that if you wanted those things you if you really understood what it meant was with to be a, a in power and ruling then you'd understand that you were a servant so you want the job of power so that you can be important versus 
serving your people, that's a twisted, knotted up thing that God doesn't want in your life. He wants you to love him first and foremost and to, to serve your people, serve your nation, serve your family. But you can't do any of those things if, if you don't understand that really who you are is a spirit man and that those things fundamentally need to be dealt with first. See, that's why men, that's why men always feel empty no matter what God, no matter what they have put in their lives. You, you, you can have, because when I, when I have a nice job, I'll be happy. When I get the nice car, I'll be happy. When I get the career, the beautiful wife, I'll be happy. But there's something that's always fundamentally missing. And that's called the spirit. And you can do all these things externally, but internally you have a spirit man that's not been fed, that has not been addressed, that has not been cultivated it has not been developed and he yearns and desires and he's like you're doing all these things externally but you're forgetting me you're forgetting what's important the spirit man who's the real you none of these things will make you happy the only thing that will make you happy is a deep relationship with me in other words as your spirit, I cry out for a deeper relationship. That's why no matter what men or women have, they'll get depressed. Because if, if they're neglecting the spirit man, it's always, it's always a neglect of the spirit man is why we get depressed. It's because we've been neglecting the spirit man. We're allowing the external things to rule and dominate. If I did this or I had this position or if I was allowed to do this or if I could do this, I'd be, I'd be happy. You'll never be happy. Because your spirit man needs to be the one on the front seat and needs to be in the driver's seat. Amen. And in Romans chapter uh, 2, verse 28, it says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is in the uh, outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from, from men, but from God. Notice something that the work is in the heart. It's in the spirit. So when the word is talking about the heart, it's really not talking about the heart as much as it is talking about the spirit, the real you. Yes, that's good. Now I, 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 I talk about the circumcision of the heart, but the circumcision heart, that means you're born again. You've asked Jesus to be your Lord. You're no longer, your spirit man is no longer freely willy while he's a free spirit. (laughs) You know, I'm said I'm giving my God my whole spirit. And goes, well, now I'm, no, now I'm a Jew on the inside? You know, no. <laughs> so I can start acting like a Jew on the outside? No. Those are external things. We don't, have to, we, don't do, we don't have to act like things historically in the past. But we now have a, a relationship of the future, which, is, which has been sealed on the inside of our hearts. We don't pick up old customs. We have a new custom, which is seeking and desiring more of him. You know, people say, I want a deeper relationship with the Lord, but you don't read your Bible is saying that you really don't want a relationship with it at all. Right. You just want you just you're, you just want the feeling of it. Yeah. It's sort of like say I, I want the I want the intimacy and physical. It's sort of like being with your wife and just having sex. But all you want is the, the sexual part. But but without the, the relationship part. Come on. Same thing. It's more than just that. That's right. The letter is there to know her, to know him, 
The word is there to know him. Worship is to physically experience his love. But that alone won't do it. Well, I want it deeper, so I just want the worship and just get that deep intimacy. It's part of it. But without knowing the word, I lack knowledge and true intimacy. True intimacy comes through twofold, through the word and worshiping of him. And if you can't do one without the other. If I just get to know her through word and just have a relationship and there's nothing physical, there's nothing holding, there's no tenderness, then it just becomes a friendship. But God wants more than just a friendship. He wants true intimacy with you and I. But it doesn't take place unless we're willing to give ourselves in both areas. A relationship and a marriage requires a removing of all things, veneer, things that are in the way that would bring division we want to the bible says give no place to the devil so why why, where do we begin to give no place we begin to know each other speak to one another we begin to love on one another. we hold one another what are we doing we're producing we're producing closeness say there's a closeness being produced amen Amen. Amen. let's open our bibles to john chapter three i'm getting blessed this morning i know i am Bless God. God, I'm telling you, the more we just learn these things, the more we'll, we'll really ha- we'll, we'll, we will really truly have a deep relationship with him. Amen. Amen. John chapter three. Verse four says, Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answers, most surely I say unto you, unless one is born with water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is of the flesh. That which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. Do you, do you not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from. And where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. You and I, we may not be able to figure or be able to decipher all those things, but God has worked a work when you've asked Jesus in your heart to make a change that even though you may not see it, He's already begun with it. You are born of the Spirit. John 4 24 says, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So in other words, another, in other words, before any other transaction that takes can take place between you and him, it must happen through, it must happen through the spirit. It must do, through, happen through worship and spirit and in truth. You, you can't go up outside. You can't go outside any other way and having a personal experience with God. It has to be intimate. It has to be through his word. You must be, I'm, I'm honestly seeking you. I'm honestly seeking you. I can't tell my wife I'm honestly seeking her and love her if I don't listen to anything she has to say or has, have no value of what she has to say. Yeah. I want a deep relationship with worship, but I don't want to hear what she says is not a deep relationship. Mm-hmm. It's superficial. Mm-hmm. It just says that I'm just adding to my narcissism that I am more important than the relationship that I have with her. My relationship is more about me than it is about you. Intimacy says, I am no longer interested in my own way, but what can I do to help you and be a partner with you? 
what can I do to surrender the things that are no longer important and make what's important to you important to me? That's what a relationship is. That's what 25 25 years brings of recognizing it's not always about me, but it's about this covenant that I have with the one that God put put next to me that reflects his goodness, his favor. The Bible says that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So now I understand that God just just saw that it was good that I was not alone, but that an extension of his love would continue with a great spouse. So if you need to be that spouse where you're, it's no longer about you, but it's about the other person, you, you'll, start to, you'll start to understand the relationship the Lord is wanting to have with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Not just based on word, but then also with intimacy where, you know what? God, thank you. I just love you, Father. You've always been there for me. You've always been good to me. Amen. Amen. That's why in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, he says, For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What am I doing? I am, I am participating in the spirit. My spirit is participating in a relationship with him. It may not understand everything, but my spirit is giving away the very things. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm praying mysteries, but there are things on the inside of me that God only knows about. Yeah. And, I, and I wholeheartedly believe that as I pray in the spirit, the spirit is telling me, hey, uh, we have issues here. Uh, you know, Marcus, he's saying this thing and but really, the reality is we've, we're dealing with this thing and only the spirit recognizes that and can utter what needs to be said yeah. that your natural man can't even describe. Yeah. But the spirit man says, oh, we have an issue, a deep seated issue that's been rooted over the years and we've not quite gotten over this yet. Yeah. And can you help root this out? And the Holy, the Holy Spirit, the Father of God will start out of nowhere and start dealing with, hey, did, have you considered it? You're like, where'd that come from? I was praying about this and now you want to deal with me about this? Why is that? Because the spirit, your spirit, with the, with the working of the Holy Spirit, brings light. Yes. And it exposes the very heart, yes. the very working nature of who you are as a person. Amen. 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 So open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we, we, this, we've, we have been talking... A lot about man is being a spirit and how he is a spirit man. But we're going to talk a little bit now about the inward man of who you are as a spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul pins this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, it is being renewed day by day. However, in saying that, if you're not re- spending the time to build up your spirit, man, it's not being renewed day by day, even though your outward man is per- perishing. Yeah. Pastor, are you contradicting the scripture? I'm just bringing you to the realities of the word yeah. that unless your heart is connected, fully connected, you're going to be times where you're going to be you're, you're going to be yo-yo Christian. Everybody know what a yo-yo is? It's a little thing, you tie a string, and you just kind of go up and down, up and down. You'll just be up and down Christian. Yeah. One day you're up, one big day you're down. 
one minute you're, you're, you're feeling like you're on top of the hill. One minute you're feeling like you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Yo, yo. God doesn't, God did not design you for that purpose. He designed you to, to be fit to, with a, with a role of feeling the, getting your fulfillment from him. And that's where you get your fulfillment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you can turn there. Let's just, in fact, let's just go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Now I'm gonna, that last scripture I read to you in the uh, New King James Version, but I'm going to read to you out of the uh, King James Version. He says, but I keep, my, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means that I should preach to others, I should myself be a castaway. But notice one thing he says here, you, you spirit man, you have to keep yourself, bring your body under subjection. You have to do it. You have to, it's your role. It's your job. Well, I would, you know, I don't know how things got out of hand. It got out of hand because you, you, you were not subjecting your body. You were letting it do, do what it wanted to do. Well, I'm an adult. I can watch what I want. I'm an adult. I can drink what I want. Adulthood does not equivocate maturity. Just because you're a mature adult doesn't mean you drink. Just because you're a mature adult doesn't mean you watch pornography. Well, I'm mature. I'm old enough, so it doesn't... Maturity means you can participate. In some minds, things I can participate because it won't influence me in such a way that brings harm to me. Yet you're doing the very thing that is doing harm to you. It's it's wrecking you emotionally. It's keeping you from true intimacy so that you don't understand what intimacy is. These are the things that you say that you're mature enough to handle. But in reality, it's sort of like drinking poison and expecting it not to harm you. And these things are harmful to you and I. And maturity says, no, I won't participate. And the reality, that's what maturity is. That's what an inward mature person does. It, it, it's able to push, the, push away from the table and say, you know what? I'm not, I don't do those things. I, I, I don't have to participate in those things. I don't have to hang around those things to prove how uh, adult I am. Or look, see, I'm mature enough. I can be around people who drink and party and it doesn't affect me. Mm, you're there long enough, it will. If you're there long, long enough, it, it'll affect you. Yeah. It'll affect you. It, it always affects people. Yes, and the, in my years of life, just as a normal human being, not even in a pastoral role, it affects people. Yes. And any person that tells you otherwise, otherwise or would try to um, persuade you otherwise is just lying. Yeah. They're excusing their own way of lit, loose living because, you know, I'm mature. I can handle things. Come on. You lying to yourself. You lie to yourself is what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. So be spirit-minded. Yeah. Amen? Amen? On that note, being spirit-minded, let's open our Bible to Romans chapter 12. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, King James Version. Sometimes I like to read things in the King James Version so I can use my English, old English voice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's reasonable to live right. It's reasonable to just to not allow yourself the excuses 
uh, or there's this other, yeah, you don't need to excuse yourself on anything. Well, you know, I just had a bad day. No, you got carnal that day. Really, the reality is you got carnal. And you hadn't been praying like you should, and the fruit of that manifested that day. It just manifested. It doesn't matter how long, you could have been 50 years in the ministry and blow it and have a bad day and say something you shouldn't have said. Because you're a natural person. And that natural person, you need to stay on top of that natural man. You don't just stay on that natural man once. You do it daily. Yeah, You're daily crucifying the flesh. Because yeah. he wants to do what he wants to do. Yeah, Your flesh wants to say what it wants to say. Yeah. Don't tell me. Don't look at me that way. I'm over there on the internet. <laughs> you sitting there. You're talking. You talk to the TV all the time on the inside. If not on the outside, you're like, I can't believe how dumb. You know, no, no, you're just, you're just going because I can't believe they say that in the news. And no, no, no. you start, or if you even worse, you'll sit there and watch, and you're talking, to, you're talking the TV during the Hallmark, uh, <laughs> them Hallmark channels. Because oh, come on, that's just hokey. People don't do that, right? So what do you, what does that do? That's that natural man. That natural man's responding. That natural man wants to, uh, likes to answer, yeah. but your spirit man wants to answer. Your spirit man has a voice too. And it says, no, none of these things move me. No, I'm not moved by these things. No, I I choose to walk in love. And and if I have to change the channel because my natural man rises up too much, then I will change the channel because my natural man rises up too much. Amen. So he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now notice what the, the spirit is wanting to do. It's wanting to transform that mind. The spirit man wants to change the way it thinks. But the only way you train it is, the only way you transform it is by, by taking, giving it shape and letting the word press into it and shape it. It, it can't be done on willpower. It really cannot be done on willpower. Long term, it cannot be done by willpower. See, when I got born again and I asked Jesus in my heart, the alcohol, the, uh, um, the drugs fell off. But there was a part, a huge part of me that wasn't fully transformed in the, in st- in, in, in the essence of my mind. Because, you know, I still had to think different. I had to look right. at girls in a different way. I had to, I had to look at God in a different way. Yeah. And it didn't, ha- it didn't ha- take place until I asked Jesus in my heart. But more importantly, it didn't really begin to take place until I got filled with the Holy Ghost, which was the evidence of speaking in tongues. Yeah. Then it became easier because then I was empowered. Now the power was there, but now I allowed that light to illuminate even brighter to expose some things that were that were, that were deeper rooted. That that in order that that salvation is that will help you. But but when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it helps you really get down to the root of some things. Amen. Come on, amen. And in Romans chapter one verse seven it says uh, to all the those who are in Rome, beloved, called to be saints. You and I have been called to be saints. Mm-hmm. Do you hear what I said? So as, a, as an inward man, you're called to be one of God's elect. Mm-hmm. You're called. It's good. It's good. You're called to grace and peace. Yeah. You're called to those things. Yeah. You don't, when you're born again, you, know you're not, you don't have to wait to be a saint. You are a saint. Mm-hmm. You're his children. We, we think, well, the only way I'll ever be a saint is unless I have worked eight miracles. We, we think from a traditional religious background. But if we really look to what the word said, sainthood is based on our intimacy and our relationship with him. Now, these signs will follow those who believe. They will follow you. But, 
but those aren't your identifying character. Those are part of who you are, but not identifying who you are. Who you really are is the character of who you are. Because miracles will, you know, I like what the one scripture says that, um, that, that you're sit, you you, how shall I say, put it. And someone here will correct me if I'm wrong, but the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, right? The gifts are there. So you confuse the gift with your character, but the, the gift is not your character. The character is, is, is also not your gift. They're two inevitably separate things, and we've got to understand that they are separate. Yeah. So just because miracles happen doesn't mean doesn't mean that your character is right. It means that God cared more about that person and cares to see His word done, but He does care enough about your character to address it. Yeah. He cares about your character. He cares about what you watch. He cares about what you let in. Let's open our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 16. I think we're getting close to getting close to closing. Luke 16, verse 19. Because of intimacy, it's important that we don't skip on relationship. Because of intimacy it's important that we don't under we don't underestimate the value of a of a relationship because that's what produces it amen, amen. and over here in Luke 16 verse 19 there was a certain man, a rich man which was clothed in purple fine linen fair sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell, at the, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man then also died and was buried. And he lifted up his eyes. Now notice something. I want to point out here, when, when, the, when the poor man died, he didn't stay in his body. The Bible says his angels carried him off into Abraham's bosom. In other words, your spirit, no longer housed in that body, is now carried into God's presence. Notice that. Notice that. And now notice where Abraham's at. A man whose body is now buried is finds himself in a place of torment. So they're no longer present where their body's at. That means they're, they're a spirit being, an actual real spirit being, and who are going through real physical experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. And, he, and in hell, he lifted Abraham as he lifted up his eyes, being tormented, seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, notice he sees Abraham from afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Mm -hmm. But Abraham said, Son, remember when thou lifetime receiveth the good things and likewise Lazarus evil things? But now he is comforted and, he, and, and you are tormented. Mm -hmm. And he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send my Send him to my father's house, for I, for I have five brethren that may testify unto them 
lest they also come into this place of torment. But notice what Abraham says to him. He said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father, Abraham, for if one of them, unto, for if one of them went to them from the dead, they would repent. And he said to them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one who rose from the dead. It's important that we allow our hearts to be persuaded by the word, that our intimacy comes from the word, that the change in our life comes through the word, that we, we don't, we don't be, we're not difficult to lead. We're not difficult. We're, we're, we're not having that the person speaking to you shouldn't struggle to get you to believe. We should believe with our heart, quickly, promptly, because it's in the Word. Because we see that we are a spirit man. Because we understand that there is a value in the Word. And that it's in the Word that our freedom is produced. And it's through worship that it is solidified, that it is cemented together. One thing I love about the word is that he didn't just make it one onefold, he made it twofold. Yeah. He says, in other words, if you're gonna have a relationship with me, it can't just be on word only. Right. It has to be through worship. Yeah. It needs to be shown through gratitude, through love and expression mm-hmm. outwardly. I can't just tell my wife I love her and not show it. Yeah. I can't just be physical with my wife and not tell her that I love her. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how that works, isn't it? You and I, if we're going to ever have a real true relationship, we're going to have to change the way we think or see and value its importance. It has to be expressed. Yes. It has to be shown. That's right. yeah. if, if we're ever going to live a life where our spirit man is dominated, mm-hmm. we're going to have to acknowledge our spirit man. Yeah. We're going to have to realize that this is the real me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just saw, we just saw, we just saw. We just saw, we just saw the, the rich and wealthy man. Yeah. This world is very temporary. Yes, it is. Come on. You can't take any of it with you. Yeah. It, you it won't go with you. Yeah. So as important as it is to have a natural life to some of us, if we undervalue the spirit life, we will truly miss what is important. And what is important? A connected life. What's important is seeing the value of of what really is important, what's really important, which are things of God. Mm 